leave notes on your way in. If you're online, you can get those notes through the link on the notes section or in the chat. There'll probably be a link as well. Um, great to have you. We are in our second week of the sermon series. We're calling this sermon series In Person. It's second week of Advent as well. That name, In Person, I'm really excited about that name because I think it, 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 it communicates something that needs to be said. Really two things. The first of which is that the extraordinary theological truth that God, the God of heaven, the God who created all things, the eternal spirit, second person the Trinity, came down in person, embodied in that baby in Bethlehem, was born like us so that we could become like God, came down to earth. And that truth just blows my mind every time I think about it. I've believed that or heard that story since I was a child. I've been preaching that story for 25 years. But that idea that the God of creation entered into his creation, that the eternal spirit took on human form, incredible. And so all through Advent and up to Christmas, we're just thinking about that idea that God came in person. And then the second idea associated with that title is the fact that we're in person. We as Christ Church, we're literally in person here this morning. For the past couple years, it's been hard to be in person. But even those who are joining us online, we are embodied human beings. We were created for in-person relationships. And that's what's made the past two years of COVID so difficult. Can I get an amen? <laughs> an online amen as well. We, we have really struggled. As a church, as a pastor, it's been hard for the past two years to be preaching to empty buildings. It's been hard not to be able to be with the people that I love. As I've talked to you all and even my own family members, it's been difficult. Throughout our, our country, 700,000 people have passed away from COVID. Millions more have been affected directly by the disease but think about the hundreds of millions in our own country and around the world who've been affected indirectly from, the, from this disease. The, the, the children who didn't go to school for a year and a half and missed out on in-person education, the social distancing that puts a strain on relationships, the financial hardships and relationship stress that people have been through, the mental health issues that people are dealing with, suicide rates are up, divorce rates are up. And our country and our world is still grappling with this uh, inability to connect personally. The fact is, is that you can have a thousand friends online and not have any friend next to you, right? You can have a thousand likes online on Instagram, but no love in your life. And so this in person is just a celebration of the fact that we were created for relationships. Most of us in the past two years, have found elements of this virtual life that we've appreciated. Some of us have learned to do our work online instead of having to commute, and that's a great deal, right? If you're in Northern Virginia, especially to live out here and you're commuting to the Pentagon or to Andrews or to uh, D.C., uh, that's a great deal. And, and many of us have learned how to date online. I don't know if that's a good deal or not. I haven't <laughs> I got to enjoy that. But, but for those of us who have kids that live far away or parents that live far away, we've learned how to use Zoom meetings. We've learned how to use more video. And that's a good thing to maintain those relationships. But at the same time, we have to recognize 
that something was lost. Anyone who's ever played a genuine in-person football game would tell you that it's different than playing Madden 2022, right? You feel different afterwards, don't you? If you've played a real football game. Anybody that's ever been in a long-distance relationship will tell you it's different than an in-person relationship. And anyone who's had a real friend will tell you it's different than having 10,000 friends on Facebook. If you could have 10,000 friends. I think they limit you. Uh, In-person is just different. And, uh, and so as we begin to come back in person throughout this year in worship and in other areas of our lives, we're thinking throughout this series of why God would come in person to our lives, why God would leave heaven and be born in a manger as Jesus Christ, why God would come in person. This morning I want to share three ideas from Luke chapter 1 of why in person. Let me read it for you first. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, and kept pondering what type of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. That's a good verse. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Why in person? Why would God enter into our reality? Why would God enter into our flesh? Most of us are trying to get out of this world or out of this flesh. Why would God enter into this flesh? Number one, because we need a Savior. Why would God enter in this world? Because we need a Savior. Because the world needs a Savior. Because you and I need a Savior. You see that in verse 26 through 31. I'll read it for you again. It says, now in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that we learned about last week. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man who was named Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed by the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And behold, 
you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. The bold claim of Scripture, the very bold claim of Scripture, is that you need a Savior, is that I need a Savior, is that all of us in this world need a Savior, is that the world itself needs a Savior. All of us need a Savior. Tom Brady is the goat of the NFL, and he needs a Savior, right? Oprah Winfrey has $2.6 billion, and she needs a Savior. The Queen of England, down to the person living on the street, President Biden and President Trump, they all have one thing in common, and that is that they need a Savior, that all of us, each one of us, needs a Savior. That's what the Bible teaches, that we can't save ourselves, that no philosophy out there, that no education out there, that no amount of resources out there, that no military or political system can save us, but we need a Savior, that there's no person, there's no thought, there's no worldview, there's no, there's no answer to the deepest problems of life that we can come up with on our own, that we need a Savior who is outside of us. And so every Advent, we have to ask this question of ourselves, do I have a Savior? Have you received, have you experienced this Savior? That every one of us needs a Savior. It used to be hard for me to admit that I wasn't good enough. Uh, for a long time, I felt like I had to be good enough, or if I couldn't be good enough, that I had to at least convince you that I was good enough. Now, I don't know how I'm doing, but I feel like not good enough. I would try to convince people that I could be a good enough pastor, that I could grow the church or start the church, or I could make this happen, that I could be a good enough boss of the folks that I had to supervise, that I could be a good enough husband, and that people would look at my marriage and think, well, that's good enough, you know, <laughs> or that I'd be a good enough father and have these kids that, well, however people looked at me, my neighbors would think I'm good enough, my friends would think I'm good enough, but the thing I realized is at some point in my middle age years, I think I'm not good enough. I can never live up to everyone's expectations, but there's a reason for that. Not only are some people's expectations unreasonable, I can't even live up to my own expectations. You know, the Bible makes the claim that I'm not good enough, that I need a Savior, but even if the Bible didn't make that claim, I would know that truth about myself because I know I don't even live up to my own expectations. That every day almost I'm disappointed by something I've said or something I've done. And there's somebody usually around to remind me. But even if there's not, I know I'm not good enough. We need a Savior. The truth of the Scripture is, is that none of us are good enough, that all of us need a Savior. Now the Christmas story begins with Mary in Nazareth. And Gabriel comes, the angel of the Lord comes and and. and, and greets her, and he greets her with this greetings, favored one. You see that in verse 28? The Lord is with you. 
And then in verse 30, like we didn't get the point, he says it again, for you have found favor with God. And then he says to her, and you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and I want you to name him Jesus. Jesus. In, in Hebrew, that name is Yeshua, and in Hebrew, that name means to deliver or to rescue or to save. The name Jesus, Yeshua, it means to heal. It means to make right. It means to fix. It means to save. And the, the angel Gabriel is saying to Mary, you're favored, yes. God's grace is with you. Yes, you're chosen, but guess what? You still need a Savior. All of us need a Savior. Israel needs a Savior. They're chosen by God. They're God's chosen people. They're under the Abrahamic covenant. They're under the covenant of Moses. They have the law. They have the prophets. They've got the temple and the sacrificial system. They're in God's chosen land. And yet Israel needs a Savior. All of us need a Savior. And the message of Christmas is that no matter how good we are or how good we think we are, every one of us needs a Savior. See, the fact is that the world has a problem. The world has a disease. We've got COVID-19, and we've got the Delta variant, and now we've got Omicron coming. We don't know what that's all about. But we've got a more serious disease than even that. And it's a disease called sin. It affects every one of us. It shows up with different types of variants. Yours may look different than mine. Our symptoms may not be the same. But all of us are infected by this same disease. It will kill you. It will. But the good news of Christmas is that there's a vaccine, right? Not just the Pfizer. I got my third shot this week, so... I'm covered there as well, but not just the Pfizer or the Moderna or whichever. If you got the J&J, I'm sorry, it doesn't seem to be as good, but uh, <laughs> you can get the booster too. I don't know all this. I just, don't, don't send me any hate mail telling me you shouldn't have gotten it. You shouldn't, I don't, I'm just doing what they tell me to do. I'm that type of person. But there's another vaccine. It's 100% effective. A hundred percent efficient. There's no breakthrough cases with this vaccine. And there'll never be a variant that's going to get around it. This vaccine that we know is Jesus is what every one of us needs because every one of us has a disease and every one of us needs a cure. And Christmas is teaching us that we need a Savior. The second reason that God came in person. First is that we need a Savior. The second reason is that we need a king. We need a Lord. We need a ruler. We need a king. I'll read it for you from verse 32 and 33 again. It says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Gabriel's continuing. He's talking to Mary. He's telling Mary why 
this amazing thing is going to happen, why God is going to enter into this world, because we need a Savior, but also because we need a king. He's great. He sits on a throne. He reigns forever over Israel. We need a king. Well, if you gave me an amen for we need a Savior, you may be more hesitant for we need a king. Because a lot of us are kind of uncomfortable with this idea that I need a king, that you need a king. I've had some say to me, I'm, I prefer the name kingdom of God to kingdom of God because I like the idea that we're all family. And, and no doubt we are, that is true. We have a Father in heaven who loves all of us, sons and daughters of his and the whole world alike. We are a family, but there's another truth of Scripture, and you see it right here in the middle of Christmas, that there's a kingdom. As an American, I'm not real comfortable with that. As a Virginian, not real comfortable with that. We have on our flag our great seal of the Commonwealth of Virginia, this picture. Sic Semper Tyrannis. For those of you that didn't grow up in Virginia and didn't take Latin for some reason. And always to tyrants. And it shows the picture of the Lady of Liberty crushing the tyrant. The th crown has been knocked off his head and he's been defeated. And that is what it means to be a Virginian. No amens. That's where you go, amen. What happened, people? <laughs> and I believe that. I don't want a king ruling over my life, telling me how to do things. I don't want a king thinking that he's better than me or a queen thinking she's better than me, sitting on her throne, sitting on his throne, looking down on me, telling me what I've got to do. I... I I don't like the idea of, of people thinking they're better than me or they're higher than me. But the fact is, is that we believe this about tyrants because we know that no human can rule rightly. That, that no human being deserves to sit on the throne of another human's heart. And that includes you as well. Something is going to sit on the throne of your heart. Some king, some tyrant is going to rule. It may be you yourself. It may be some possession or some philosophy or some belief system, but something is going to rule your heart. And the truth of the scripture is whatever that is in this world, it's always going to disappoint you. Eventually, it's always going to abuse you. It's always going to lead you in the wrong direction. That we need a king from heaven who would come down and sit on our hearts, who would rule rightly, who would rule godly, a king. And this is the most amazing thing about Christmas in person, is that this king understands what it's like to be you. Oh, most earthly kings have no idea what it's like to be a subject. You think the Queen of England understands what it's like to be on the street? Now, she may try, but it's different when you live in a palace. It's different when you sit on a throne. It's different when you walk around surrounded by 
an army of bodyguards. It's different when you live in that lofty position. But our king came down, born to a peasant woman from Nazareth, laid in a manger, a refugee in Egypt, grew up in the despised city of Nazareth, walked around Galilee with his disciples, preaching the good news, healing the sick, setting the oppressed free, was lied about by the religious leaders, was abandoned by his friends, and nailed to a cross. That's what your king did in person. He understands your struggles. He understands our difficulties. He understands our hardship. He understands our temptation. He understands what it is to be hungry. Well, we need a king. But we need a king who gets us. A king who's holy and righteous and can rule our lives. But a king who understands us as well. And so that's the second reason God came in first. And number one, because we need a savior. Number two, because we need a king. And there's a third reason that God came in person, and that is God came in person because we need God in person. We need God with us. Emmanuel, we need God with us. Look at verse 34 and 35 again. It says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. How can that be? How how can this be? Great question. Mary, of course, was talking about the fact she's a virgin and she's going to give birth to this child. But that's a question I think every one of us will ask at some point in our lives. How, how can this be? That the God of heaven would love me. That the God of heaven would come down and enter into my life. That the God of heaven would come in the spirit and make my body his holy temple. How can that be? How could, how could a holy God love somebody who's not good enough like me? How can that be? And the angel says... Well, this is how. Because God's going to come down and overshadow you and fill you with his presence. That's what he tells Mary. Fill you. And, and out of your body is going to come birth this child. Now, that's unique to Mary, but that's the idea for all of us who receive Jesus, that his Holy Spirit's going to fill us. And out of our lives, Christ is going to come. Have you ever been in need, maybe emotional need or physical need, financial need, and somebody far away wrote you a card saying, love you, praying for you, I'm here for you. Only they weren't here for you, they were there for you. You ever have that happen? Sometimes I, as a pastor, I feel like I do that, you know, that I see people hurting and I want to be there for them, but I'm not there for them, I'm here I'll give you a, a personal example. My daughter uh, graduated from college this summer, and she uh, was living in Illinois where she went to college. She moved to Chicago. And my wife and I, we uh, rented a U-Haul uh, trailer, and we drove 
with her out to uh, Chicago. We got her moved into her apartment, but then, you know, we work and we have life here, so we came back here. And she's just trying to learn. She was 21 years old, so she's just trying to learn how to, how to do life, you know, how to register her car, how to set up her apartment, how to set up utilities for her apartment. And she'd call or we'd talk and FaceTime and stuff, and she'd be like, yeah, I've got to figure out how to... I'd give her advice, but in my heart, I wished I could be there for her, you know? So I'd be like, well, you've got to go to the DMV or whatever it's called there, and you've got to wait in line, you've got to register the car. And she's like, yeah, but I work. I was like, well, you've got to get up really early on Saturday morning, you know? <laughs> I wish I could be there for you, but I'm here. So you're going to have to get up really early on Saturday morning and get in that super long line and, you know, it's different to actually be there with somebody than to be there with somebody, right? It's different to say, I'm here for you. Hey, honey, I'm here for you, than to actually be there for her. There's a difference between having God on your side and having God by your side, isn't there? Right? There's a difference between having God for us and having God with us. So sometimes when I go through a hard time in life, someone try to encourage me, try to build me up by saying, don't worry, Pastor Todd, God's in your corner. And I'll feel like, yeah, I'm getting pummeled out there. I need God in the ring with me. I love having God in my corner. I don't know if I'm making it back to the corner. So I need God. And that's what Christmas is all about. That God is with us. That God has entered into our lives and not the cushy parts of our lives. That God's entered into the most difficult part of our lives, the most sinful part of our lives, the most hurting part of our lives. And he took that upon himself on the cross. That God is with us. And so we say, why in person? Why didn't God just send a prophet? Why didn't God just give us his word? Why didn't, why didn't God just give us a system, you know? Just tell me what I have to do. Offer the sacrifice at this time and this way. Okay, I can do that. No, you can't. And so God knew that he had to come in person to be with us. The good news, this is the kind of the main idea here of this sermon. The good news is that you and I can know God in person. That you and I can know God in person. God's not a far-off deity, a, a, a God who doesn't listen, a God who doesn't care. That God is next to us, that God's close to us, that God's with us, that God's in us. God in person. That, that's kind of the whole idea behind this sermon series, is that God is in person and God invites us to be in person as we love God and we love others. My daughter, I was telling you about her just a minute ago, three and a half years ago, she started college. And she wanted to go to college. She wanted to go to this college in Illinois. And so she's my firstborn. So we, we were, you know, it was kind of scary. It was like August. This was pre-COVID. Um, my wife and I, we rented a U-Haul for this too. And we moved her out. I don't know if we needed a U-Haul then. Maybe we just had the van. Anyways, we moved her out to her college and it was like a Thursday that we drove out there to Chicago. It was outside of Chicago. And I think on Friday and Saturday, we moved her into her first dorm room and met her, her, her first dorm roommate. 
And, um, and then I think on Sunday we came back home. This was three and a half years ago. And uh, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, the first day of the classes. We were back home. First day of class. We got a text on our phone, and the text said this. Get this. It said, I'm turning in my phone. I won't be able to receive or send messages until December 13th. Love you. Right. This is our firstborn. There's our our firstborn daughter that now lives a thousand miles away. I'm thinking to myself, I'm paying for a cell plan for you. I've had this conversation with you before. I've got to be able to get in touch with you. But so we find out later that her professor of her communications class challenged the class on the first day of class. These are 18 and 17-year-old students to literally turn in their phones for the entire semester. And he bribed them by offering an A on the final exam. Well, my daughter, she's just that type of person. If you challenge her, she's going to do it. So she turned in this phone. She's had a phone since she was 12 years old. Not off of her in-person body probably for more than 20 minutes in the past eight years. And she turned it in. We couldn't believe it. And not only was it a struggle in to talk to her, but it just felt like, oh, she's so vulnerable. She's so far away. And now she's going to ride the train into Chicago. She's not going to contact people. It's just scary. And but the professor understood something. And what he understood is that these 18-year-old students, they're really good at virtual everything. Virtual friendships, virtual uh, uh, interactions, All of her banking was virtual. I had to help her figure out how to deposit a check when you couldn't use your phone to do so. But everything in their life was virtual. And he believed, and I think he was right, that these students are going to come from all over the United States and throughout the world, in fact, and they're going to come together in this community, but they still have hundreds, if not thousands, of friends back home. They still have family back home. And what they're going to do is they're going to rely on all of those relationships, And what they're going to miss out on is a relationship with the person right next to them. That here they're spending all that money to come to this institution. And it's going to be hard for them to get into that because they're going to still be back home. Because all of her friends were still all over the place. Her family was back here. And so he, this is a communications class. He assumed these kids knew how to communicate virtually. He wanted them to learn how to communicate personally, in person. I'm, the year before COVID happened, I'm so glad my daughter gave up her phone for 13 weeks because she made some of the best friends of her life because she had to, right? She learned how to live. Now, I grew up like a lot of you, in a pre-digital age, and I've had to learn how to do it on my phone, right? But she grew up in a digital age, and she had to learn how to make a friend who's sitting next to her. There's something missing in life if we don't learn how to live in person. And I know during COVID, a lot of us got really good at doing it virtually. And, and we had to. And some of us still have to. 
And many people in our church or throughout the world, throughout the, the United States, my parents are joining us this morning, I believe, from Stanton, Virginia, and we're glad to have every one of you. We, but we also want to help you as much as we can to embody this faith, to learn how to live this faith out with others, to learn how to live out this faith in person. And so as we go through this sermon series at Advent, I want you to think about that. Do you have that type of personal relationship with Jesus? Can you say, I have a Savior, I have a King, God is with me in person? And especially coming out of COVID, what are you doing to safely reconnect with those around you? Maybe your neighbors, maybe your family members, maybe your friends, of of building a relationship that's a real in-person relationship. That some of this honestly can be done virtually and we're learning how to do things virtually, but a lot of the virtual stuff, it's an incomplete substitute for the relationships we were really made for. And so I want to encourage you as we go through Advent and we think about, you know, that little baby being born in Bethlehem, to think about, are there people in your life that you can hold? There are people in your life that you can reach out to, people in your life that you can touch, because we were created to live in person. Let's pray that might be so. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us here present and on us throughout the globe and throughout this nation. I do pray that you'd fill us with your presence. I do pray that you'd be our Savior. I pray that you would be our king, that you would rule our lives with your good and gracious rule. And Lord, I do pray that you'd be with us. Help us to know how we can love you and love others and live out this life in person. Help us to know how we can allow you to live your life through us in a way that our neighbors and our family members and our friends, our parents and our kids can see you. Empower us in just a minute as we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion to receive you, your real presence, your spiritual presence in a real way in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that when we were lost, when we were infected, when we were dying, that you entered into our world and into our lives to be our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.